0: So Exodus 29, uh, last week we – was it just last – oh, no, it was two weeks ago, right? Because I was sitting there like – I was doing my notes, and I'm like, it feels like it's been two, three weeks because it's been two weeks. Uh, We were down in in Virginia last week, and Tom filled in on Wednesday night. So now I know why I felt there was – I'm just now realizing this, right? Okay? So it's taken me all week to realize this. Um, But, uh, uh, yeah, so two weeks ago uh, we were looking at pictures of – uh, the, the tabernacle and we were looking at, uh, you know, how things, uh, uh might've looked and there was a pretty good depiction, uh, and, uh, that we were able to see if you guys need those pictures, if you want to look at them again, uh, let me know. We have them stored on the computer. Um, I w- almost just, uh, just did this, uh, to, um, to Amanda and said, Amanda, can you pull them up? But I'm not going to do that. Right. So she just smiles. So uh, so y- y- you remember, though, right? Uh, when we can see those pictures, hopefully it's, it's going to help us to re- remember what these settings look like. So when we're getting into even Exodus 29, where um, so we looked at what, what the, um, the tabernacle looked like, um, the outer courts. Uh, and then also we looked at what it might look like uh, for the high priestly garments. So we, we, uh, we had a visual on those and what they might have looked like. So if you need the pictures or whatever, I've got them saved. Uh, we can email them or we can just pull them up here and show you guys at some point uh, when it's not, uh, you know, spur of the moment on Amanda. So, uh, but, so it ends at 28 is explaining what the high priestly garments would look like. So then after that, where we pick up in in chapter 29, um, what we're doing is just uh, there's a continuation. uh, Verse one, we're we're not going to start there yet, but it says, and and this is what you shall do uh, to them to hollow them. So we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But what we're looking at in chapter 29 is really just the instruction for what's going to happen when we get to Leviticus 8. Okay, so this is like a preview, right? Uh, so don't check out like in the movies, right? We can check out during the previews, right? Uh, so, But what this is really doing is preparing us for what's going to happen in in Leviticus eight. So when we get to Leviticus eight, we'll probably be able to spend less time uh, getting into into the 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 uh, in depth into that detail because we'd already uh, done this here uh, in Exodus. So uh, we'll see uh, as we're going through here. This is a consecration of of the um, of the priests. Now when we get to uh, Exodus forty, we'll see the tabernacle being uh, set up. And uh, the collection of goods and uh, the workers being selected and, and the work being done and, and prepared that'll be uh, versus uh, sorry chapters 35 through uh, 39. But uh, what we're going to go through this evening is the consecration of Aaron and his sons. As I said, this will parallel. Uh, what happens in Leviticus eight. So if you were to to uh, tonight or whenever uh, look at Leviticus eight, you're going to see a lot of this actually being implemented and and being done. It's at least a seven step process and and we'll see here that as we progress through our study, the 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 uh, priests were washed, they were clothed, they were anointed, forgiven, completely dedicated to the Lord. Uh, marked by the blood and fed. Okay, so those seven things. What we're going to see is those things will happen in Leviticus eight, but this is the the preface to it. So this is God explaining to Moses, hey, when your uh, when the temple is sorry the uh, tabernacle is set up, this is going to be the process for you uh, to consecrate. Uh, Aaron and his sons. So uh, these are our our explanations uh, to Moses. He's still receiving instruction from the Lord uh, at at this point. So uh, what we're going to study is uh, the instructions for a public consecration process that will establish them publicly as priests, uh, of of God and uh, to publicly set them aside for ministry, so uh, that's that's where we're picking up here. So verse one says, and this is what you shall do to them to hallow them, uh, uh, them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. You shall uh, make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them uh, in the basket with the bull and the two rams. So this verse one starts off with uh, with. The Lord instructing Moses that he was to uh, do to uh, the priests uh, a specific thing here. And he says to hallow them, to make them holy, to separate them, to set them apart. So Aaron and his sons were to be separate. Uh, from the rest of of Israel, the, their job was to minister uh, on behalf of the Lord and to minister to the Lord uh, on behalf of Israel. So they were in a very special place uh, to serve as priests before the Lord. It says that they were to bring a uh, he was to bring a bowl and and two rams uh, and also un- unleavened bread and unleavened cakes and unleavened waivers. Now. Um, this uh, this constant reminder of so when you consider leaven it reminds of of, of a few different things in the scriptures so uh, there can be the the remembrance of uh, Israel quickly leaving Egypt and they didn't have time to bake the cakes that they were supposed to so they had to take unleavened uh, cakes with them so uh, they it's also a uh, reminder uh, to them while they're remembering that. Uh, that, oh, hey, we didn't have time to do it, they're also going to remember why not, because God was delivering us. So there's the uh, the reminder in that that God was working and delivering them also. And it's also a reminder of sin. You know, that uh, the leaven is a picture of sin uh, in the scripture. Now, considering uh, what's being said in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, Paul is dealing with pride and arrogance uh, there, and he's telling them that in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 5, he says, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the leaven, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That, that unleavened bread would represent sincerity and truth also you know leaven is yeast right so the yeast makes things rise right so, so leaven yeast uh, were uh, a, a type of an a example of that God would use to represent sin um, he'd also he also spoke of um, leaven uh, when he was through Paul uh, using uh, leaven as an example of legalism. Uh, Galatians 5 verses 7 through 9 says you ran well who hindered you from obeying the truth this persuasion does not come from uh, from him who calls you a little leaven leavens the whole lump now Paul is dealing with legalism uh, in the church at Galatia where they had returned to uh, trying to obey the law uh, for uh, for their uh, salvation so they were trying to mix grace and and works together and Paul's saying you foolish Galatians. What are you doing? So what he's saying here is don't you realize that a little bit of leaven a little bit of legalism can affect everything else so so when we look at these uh, these unleavened cakes. Uh, There's are for good use, uh, a good reminder of what God did and delivered them very quickly, but he also uses yeast and, and leaven as a reminder not to uh, you know, return to legalism or not to uh, conduct ourselves in sinful ways so that, that sin would be, uh, uh, not be a part of our lives. So this second portion that we're going to get into verse four. So the first section uh, covered the, uh, the, the, uh, the washing, uh, sorry, the first section, uh, uh, just covered what was going to happen. Uh, he was kind of setting the stage with them. Now what we see here is, uh, is the washing that was going to take place here. Verse four says, and Aaron and his sons, you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall wash them with water. So, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time here uh, discussing this because this is a, a, a powerful demonstration that God is calling Moses to do to Aaron and to his sons to to wash them, to wash their whole bodies. They were to be washed outside the door of the tabernacle meeting. And we're going to talk about that here, but their whole bodies to be washed. So this initial washing was for their whole body to be washed before the Lord. And that symbolized a complete cleansing from the Lord. Now, a few scriptures that talk about being washed. Here's uh, Psalm 51. Now, Psalm 51 is David begging the Lord for forgiveness, right? It's a very powerful psalm to read um, uh, where you see a a heavy and broken heart being poured out before the Lord. And and what it says in verse 7 of Psalm 51 is purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The washing that comes from the Lord. So, with Moses doing this washing of of Aaron and his sons, it's representing the Lord washing them and 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 cleansing them so that they can be clean to be able to minister on behalf of Israel. Uh, they couldn't go through uh, without the ceremonial washing. And we'll look how this washing changes to just hands and feet later. But for their consecration, it was a ceremonial washing. Um, that would take care of their that would cover their whole body so uh, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says come now let us reason together says the Lord though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall be as wool that you know when the Lord gets involved in and the Lord is washing it covers all of us right now, you're going to be familiar with this scripture. I've, I've referenced it uh, many times. 1 Corinthians uh, six eleven, 11, uh, when uh, Paul is writing about those that have been washed by the Lord, it says, because right before this is a list of all people that won't inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, and it's important for us that if we're ever sharing that with people, we we have to. We, I, I believe it's an obligation. It's it's responsible sharing of the scripture to be able to say, hey, we can't just end with, with verses 9 and 10 and say, hey, by the way, you're not going to hear the kingdom of God. The greatest part of that is that the, the vilest of sinner can be washed. In, in, in verse 11, it says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. That washing, that so what this washing was representing was they were being consecrated. They are being washed. There was a ceremonial washing that was happening for them. It wasn't just like, hey, go take a shower and come in here. This was a ceremonial washing, no doubt showing and an a picture of a washing that was coming from God that would wash us uh, clean of sin. So it says that you shall wash them. Moses was supposed to wash them. That's an amazing thing in and of itself. So they were to be washed outside of the tabernacle uh, before entering. Remember the picture we saw, right? We saw the outer court and we saw the, the basin there. They were to wash their hands and their feet before going in to the tabernacle. And, and, and we'll look at scripture that supports that here in just a moment. Uh, so they didn't wash themselves, but they were washed that's important for us to understand theologically, right? That they weren't supposed to wash themselves. It was a picture of somebody else washing us. Uh, it, was, it was a picture of God washing us. We can't wash ourselves clean. Only God can do that through the blood of Christ, right? So there, this is there, Jesus Christ is all through the, the, the Old Testament. It's, it's all pointing to Christ. That's what the scripture is all about is Jesus, Right, so when we see these things um, as symbols, these these uh, situations and these ceremonial things that were happening, they're all pointing to Christ. They're all pointing to Him. It's an amazing thing for us uh, to recognize. Now. Um, and when we get to Exodus chapter 30, we're going to see that uh, they were to, um, so after this consecration, they were to wash their hands daily, uh, and we'll get into that when we, uh, next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll get into Exodus 30, and we'll discuss, you know, what they were responsible to do uh, also, so, um, but to, to wash their hands and feet, and we'll see that listed in there um, next week, Lord willing, like I said, so. Now, speaking of the whole body being washed and in the hands and the feet, later Jesus would say uh, that uh, we need to walk with him. And in order to do so, and uh, John, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is complete uh, but is completely clean and you are clean uh but not all of you so that clean walk with the lord is what what Jesus is talking about that our feet would be clean in our walk with Jesus Christ right It's because there's there were all kinds of things that were brought up about uh, cleansing right because the priest would be like, "Oh, no, what are they doing? They're eating without washed hands." And Jesus is saying, "It's not what goes into somebody. Uh, sorry, it's not what comes out of somebody. Uh, sorry, it's not what it goes into somebody that defiles them. It's what goes out of the person's mouth that defiles them." Right? So there's that 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 description there. But for for the priests themselves, they were to wash their hands and feet. But Jesus is saying here later that we just need to walk with Jesus. We need to have that clean and strong uh, walk with Him. So. Uh, what we're reading here is is uh, definitely pointing to a symbolic washing that us as Christians have had by the work of God's Word. Ephesians chapter five, uh, verse twenty six, uh, explain that uh, that a husband uh, is is to. Um, Sanct that uh, explain and, and to love uh, their wife as as Christ loved the church that he might sanctify and cleanse her it says here uh, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that that the word is so important for us that the word is used to wash us clean you know regarding the generating work of the Holy Spirit considering a washing. Uh, Titus verses uh, chapter three, verses four and six say, "But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that washing, also that we see here, that through the Holy Spirit, there's a regeneration and a renewing. Um, when we're considering, there's a washing there, and we understand that Jesus accomplished, a, you know, our washing by His death uh, on the cross and, uh, Jesus had accomplished this. It's even said in, uh, revelation chapter one verses five and six. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler over the Kings of earth to whom, uh, to him who loved us and washed us, uh, from our sins in his own blood and has made us Kings and priests to, to his God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever, Amen. So we see the washing uh, by the Word. We see the washing that takes place in the regeneration through the Holy Spirit, and we also see what Jesus uh, is, what's being said of Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins. That washing that comes, you know. So, so these guys weren't just, oh, hey, you guys stink, you know. We need to wash you. It was it, this was a symbolic of the washing that was going to come from God also. So as we're reading through here, there are pictures all through what we're reading here. Next, we're moving on. We see that they were clothed and anointed. So we're going to spend time... First, covering uh, what's explained in verses five, six, uh, 5 and 6 and 8 and 9. And then right after that, look at uh, the anointing, verse 7. Because verse 7 kind of sandwiched between those two things. But when we consider uh, the clothing and the anointing, that's how we're just going to cover We're going to cover them all, uh, but just uh, for the sake of understanding the clothing and then the anointing, we're going to just uh, do it in that order here. So uh, Moses uh, was... was uh, Continued uh, to be instructed by the Lord here in verse uh, verse five. It says, "Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod, the uh, the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him uh, with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and uh, put the holy crown on the turban." And you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring uh, uh, his sons and put tunics on them, and you shall gird them uh, with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put hats on them. The priests shall be heirs for perpetual statute. Uh, so you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. So Moses clothed them with new clothes to identify them as ministers, uh, as commanded by the Lord. We're going to see this take place in Leviticus 8, but these are the instructions from the Lord of what's going to happen. So the Lord is telling Moses that this is what he's supposed to do, and this is um, a picture for them, and that, that Israel would be able to identify them as uh, as priests, and also they would represent Israel, right? Because when we consider the breastplate, right, and the stones that were within the re- breastplate that were uh, that had uh, that were representative of the twelve tribes, so that Aaron would go in uh, before the Lord and minister before the Lord on behalf of Israel. So uh, this uh, what is being explained first is. Uh, the clothing that Aaron would wear, and we saw the picture of that two weeks ago, right? What that would look like, and uh, we we saw um, all of the the priestly robe, the ephod, and the breastplate, uh, and we see all uh, saw all of that being put on the turban that would be put on his head, and the crown that would say uh, holiness to the Lord on it, um, and so there was there was quite a bit there for us to take in. So there, that's uh, Moses' clothes being uh, described here. Uh, And then, if we consider Aaron and his sons, it says that they should gird, uh, he needed to gird them with uh, sashes, and uh, Aaron and his sons, and put hats on them. Uh, But for his sons, they were to put tunics on them. Uh, So, uh, as we go through here, we kind of understand what's being described uh, by the Lord and what they were supposed to look like. Uh, And it says that the priesthood uh, that uh, shall be. Theirs for a perpetual statute, so it's going to continue on, is what that means. Uh, and you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. So, uh, not only were those priestly robes for them to wear when they're ministering uh, to the Lord, but also to minister and and uh, to show Israel that uh, they were representing the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord to them. So. Uh, it's also for us we can look at this and and it's a picture of what they're wearing and their their clothing is a, a picture that um, it should be evident to those around us that we belong to and serve God. Our lives should be um, reflecting the fact that we serve God. The character. I'm not talking about we don't need to dress like that these days uh, to show people, hopefully not, because when I saw what the high priest had to wear, not very, you know, appealing to me. I, I wear flannel and jeans. Uh, this is what's comfortable to me. This is, you know, uh, lined, I'm warm, uh, but I'm not sweating. So I, I love, I'm comfortable right now. I prefer this. But uh, but you know, for the high priest, that's what they would have to wear. And that's several thousand years ago and, you know, different apparel. But this was all pointing to something. Now, but when we consider... What do people see when they see our lives? What characteristics are they observing? Are they observing characteristics that reflect people that have been changed and that that, uh, represent God well? So in the life of the believer, there should be uh, characteristics seen. Uh, There shouldn't be old characteristics seen, though, right? We shouldn't be wearing the old us, you know, uh, the old us shouldn't be uh, uh, a parent to anybody else. Uh, what should be uh, a parent is the new us. I was able to share this with my barber today. I was telling Shane, I was excited, just getting a haircut. And, and I know her uh, uh, personally. I, I I grew up with her brother. And um, so she just asked me how are things going at the church. And, and then she just asked about different ministries at the church. I'm like, this is awesome. Door like flung wide open and I'm sharing and, and uh, I was just explaining some things, and Wave Escape came up, and I was able to share with them uh, that, that what we have to offer is a newness of life in Christ. That there, there isn't uh, the fact, I've, I've recently seen uh, a friend of mine post uh, that they uh, have reached a certain point of uh, a milestone um, uh, in their sobriety. And I think they got, um, I think it was a keychain. Uh, of five years of sobriety, I think it's a keychain. So pr- correct me if I'm wrong. It, what's that? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I'm so blessed that that person has been sober and they haven't uh, partaken in because their life was almost over because of that. But but I was heartbroken when I saw the post that said I you know I am an addict. And uh, yes, do we deal with an addiction to sin? All of us as Christians, absolutely right. And the Lord sanctifies us from that, right? He, he pulls that out of our lives as we move forward in our relationship with him. But our identity as Christians is in Christ. Our identity isn't our diction. Does that make sense? It's, it's heartbreaking. And I've shared this several times that um, I, the, the loved ones I have in this church or in my family, I wouldn't want anybody to identify with, you know, because I would walk up and say, hey... I'm John, and this is the list of sins that, that once ruled and reigned in my life. You know, how, how demoralizing is that? But to know that I can be freed from that and that I can say, you know, what this was my former conduct. I may still, I still have a flesh to wrestle with. I can, I can identify the fact that I'm human, but I can understand the fact that, that I'm, I'm, I'm human and that sin is going to be a battle for me for my whole life. But, uh, but what does James say? If we say we don't sin, we're calling God a liar. You know what I mean? I, sorry, John. What does John say, right? Uh, did I say James? I meant, I meant John, right? So uh, what did John say? And I think that was in 1 John. Uh, he says that, right? Uh, 1 John. And, and he's saying if we, if we say we don't sin, we make God to be a liar, right? But that's not our identity. It was before. And does that, I mean, but we have to realize, that. and, and what I was so blessed to tell them is that the hope that we can share with somebody is that there's a newness that comes in Christ. There's that, and I shared with them that if any man is in Christ, they are new creation. Old things have passed. Behold, all things have become new. And I, I, just, I shared that whole verse with them, and then you know the conversation continued. But I had to get that out there. I was so blessed to be able to do that. Thank the Lord. I thanked Him right as I'm sitting there and as I'm talking. In my mind, I'm going, "Thank you, Lord." For being able to share the name of Christ and, and his work that he wants to do in the life of anybody, you know, and everybody that that uh, that, that hasn't come to him yet. But that freedom, and they asked, well, so so what type of addiction? And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, any addiction. You don't have to, it's it's not anybody can come. If there's any addiction, just come to way of escape, come to church. The 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 goal of every ministry here is that is salvation, right? That's that's it. And then once somebody's saved, once they they've they've been saved and they've been uh, you know pulled from that old lifestyle, then it's it's um, discipleship and growing in our relationship, right? It, great commission, right? Make disciples of all nations, and then we get sent out by the Lord wherever He wants to send us. If it's here, uh, you guys, though, we could be sent here. We could be sent to Zimbabwe. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen within this church, but if our lives are subject to him and that's what our lives what people are seeing in our lives of what's going on in your life god's completely changed me and if those characteristics are being shown then we if something's different yes i'm a whole new creation in christ that the, that our garments what, what people see on the outside is christ right and and when they see us they're seeing christ that's our goal right uh, we are sinners and we are unfortunately going to fail hopefully it's not you know public great uh, you know, failing, uh, failures in public, uh, driving and working on vehicles can bring out the absolute worst in me. Right. Uh, it's it, it, I'll, I'll, I'll confess this. Uh, we're sitting in Connecticut and I told you guys this, I did, I already told you this. My watch told me that, Hey, you seemed a little stressed. You need to take some deep breaths, right? Cause I'm sitting in traffic for like an hour, you know, we're trying to get home. We had a 13 hour drive ahead of us. And, and, uh, it was, GPS says 12 but you know we all know that's not gonna work unless you you know um you know not stopping and uh, and all those things so uh, but we're sitting there in traffic and I'm going yeah and I'm going I need to I need to calm down even my watch is telling me to calm down right right so it, it just is what it is but our outward appearance right we're called in the scriptures to lay aside our old filthiness and put on godly character. Okay, so we're going to look at a few verses that tell us that Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no more provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's pretty straightforward. I'm going to read it one more time, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Excuse me, Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-six and 20, uh, twenty-seven also uh, says, "For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ." Right. So, so these are things that as we're, we're realizing that our outward character should reflect these things. Right, guys. I know this is convicting, right? <laughs> because you know when we're looking, I'm like, did I do that today? Let the word correct us, right? Let the word wash us. Let the word help us and and, and encourage us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 say that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, doesn't this sound like what we'd rather wear—true righteousness and holiness—than the old filthiness that's that's being described there? The corrupt, you know, uh, that that uh, put off concerning your former conduct, the old uh, man which grows corrupt. Right? We got to remember their corruption grows. Right? And I know I've used this example before. All you got to do is look at our vehicles. My wife's vehicle, within five years of us buying it, was already showing rust, right? You go down south and vehicles are 40 years old and they've got no rust on them because they don't have salt and calcium on the road, right? You know, we see the corruption. We have we have pretty great examples, more than some more than others. You've uh, seen them driving down, you know, around town. You don't have to look very far to see, you know, the Bondo you know, bandits riding around, right? I'm one of them. I got a Bondo bandit truck. Uh, you know, you guys have known that thing. What was it, Alan? I got to see. It. That was that was from Alan. He said the Bondoed Bandit or something. He said that about my truck. But that's what it is, right? The corruption that happens. We'd rather have the newness that that the Lord offers us, right? Lastly, when we're considering putting on uh, the the new character, right? Colossians three verses twelve through fifteen. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Guys, these are awesome. The Lord is so, so good to us, right? That the old person is so put away and that we wouldn't want any of the old junk and the old covetousness, the old meanness, the old selfishness, the old whatever that to be there. We'd rather have what the Lord has for in the greater fulfillment in our lives. Not just a fakely walk around like we're sharing tender mercies and love and all those things, but the, the, the fulfillment in our lives that we get from the tender mercies, the kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, how that ministers to us. The forgiveness, guys, even as Christ forgave you, that's a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> when we consider, right, the, the forgiveness that we have in Christ, wow, when, if we're looking for the ultimate example, if we don't want to forgive something, somebody, all we have to do is look and go, I have to, because Jesus forgave me. The perfect one that came to die for me because I sinned against him, right? You know, when you put that all together, wow. He is so, so good. So, so good. So, considering the anointing that we read of, and we're going to read verse seven uh, again. It says, "And you shall take the uh, anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him." That's anointing, um, spe- a special anointing that would be uh, that would happen for Aaron as the high priest. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit being uh, granted to prophets, priests, and kings. For power and service to God, that's what the ceremony, That's that's why uh, the uh, the oil would be poured over them. It was a picture of a, a uh, of the Holy Spirit being granted to. Uh, when you look in the whole the the Old Testament, the prophets, uh, the kings, and the priests would have a special anointing uh, over them. And as I said, the picture of the Holy Spirit being granted to them to give them power uh, in their service. So Moses would anoint. Uh, Aaron, and it would run off his head onto his breastplate, and just cons- think about that, right? what 's on the breastplate, right? The twelve stones. So th- it 's an amazing thing to think of that this o- outpouring of this of this oil symbolizing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right, uh, being poured out. It would go onto the breastplate and over the twelve stones that represent the twelve tribes. What a powerful explanation For somebody to say the old testament's boring. What are you reading, right? I know some of these things don't, uh, you know, if you're reading through it, they don't uh, um, jump out as seemingly the most exciting thing. But when you, when you dive into and we, and we understand what these things mean, what they symbolize, it's such an exciting thing to understand how God works and the genius of God, Right. But when, when we are looking at this and, and understanding there was this pouring on, there's this some great commentary of what happened when this was poured over. It's in Psalm uh, 133. Uh, speaking of believers dwelling together is what he's saying in unity. Uh, he says, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edges of his garment. That's a cool thing to think of. We might get like, oh man, there's oil all over me, right? You think, think about it. There's oil cover. What am I, what am I gonna do? I'm the messiest eater you're gonna find. Me and Natalie's pretty good too, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I, I have a hard time, you know. Here, I'm just picking on her. She knows I love her, and um, but she gets it from me. I'm the one to blame. I, I remember eating peanut butter and fluff sandwiches, and I'd get it in my hair, right? I have fluff in my hair, in my, on my ear, right? You know, I'm just a messy eater. Jen's always looking at me like, you've got food on your lips, you know? And I, I've tried to get better over time. It's very difficult, especially when I spent 18 years as a recruiter wearing blues, right? So, my, when, so you have your service dress uniform where it's dark blue. And that, thankfully, uh, for anybody who's worn a service dress uniform, whoever made it, made it of a material that's, you know, you can easily wash things out. However, the light blue shirt under it, the one that you have your name tag and ribbons and badges and all that stuff, that thing shows everything, you know? And I used to have to wear that five days a week when I first went into recruiting and I would be eating like very carefully, right? And, I, and, and sometimes because I knew myself, I would take my lightweight blue jacket and zip it all the way up to the top. So that if anything happened, I could do without my, my jacket. You know, that's my, my normal everyday but I, I, I would want to cover myself. This is oil that we want all over ourselves, right? When that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us, right? That's what we, guys, that's what we sh- every Christian should desire, to be filled to overflowing by the Holy Spirit, right? Used by God to do absolute miraculous things, that God would do miraculous things in us uh, by his Holy Spirit, but literally use us to do miraculous things. Some of those miraculous things are going to be, hey, John, or whoever, Susie, I'm going to use somebody else. I don't want to use myself as the example. Hey, go, uh, Bonnie, can I use you? Bonnie, go share the, the gospel with somebody. I, I want you to go share with somebody that you're praying for them today. That is supernatural. When we hear that from the Lord and we go and do that, and uh, no doubt, I, I, I know, I've heard enough of these stories, tears start flowing. Right. And God ministers to that person's heart and you're able to say, I'm nothing special. God just told me to come over here. You guys ever experience those things where like you have no idea why your truck just needs, you know, a battery and you got to go into the store. You get it. And you're just like, man, I just blew two hundred dollars on a battery. Oh, hey, you know, you have a divine appointment and you meet with somebody that needs to hear what God is doing in your life or a reminder to get back to church. Right. We don't know. If we understand that all things work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that God is orchoring, he's steering us. His Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us throughout the day to do those things. That's the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So much so that some some are given gifts of healing, right? Somebody just walk right up and just put their hand on them and say and just pray. And we've seen, guys, I realize that the spiritual gifts have been so greatly abused. So greatly abused that people are afraid to talk about them. People are afraid to to just like put a hand on somebody and be like, I don't know if I'm hearing this or anything. Just do it. Just put your hand on them and, and ask God to heal. Lord, heal this person in the name of Christ. If he does it, great. Maybe there's a spiritual healing that needs to happen. I don't know. But if we're following the Lord, we can't be afraid if the Lord is telling us, put our hand on somebody and pray for them. Can, uh, those are the miraculous things that we don't know that we don't have that power in and of ourselves. But when we see the symbol symbolism here, they're being set apart, and this is a a a a picture of the pouring of the Holy Spirit being put on a special calling on this person that that they would have a powerful ministry. There's so much that w- when when Saul when David wrote in Psalm uh, one thirty three Psalm one thirty three is only three verses. It's really cool. It's powerful too. But when it's saying it's like precious oil on the, hi- on the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments, right? Covering everything. That it's a symbol there. That's not the oil you want off of you. That's the oil you want on you. That's such a powerful thing. When anointing the 70 elders in Numbers uh, 11, uh, the second part of this, uh, uh, the second portion of Numbers 11, 29, uh, you'll probably see that is what I'm going to read. Oh, uh, this is uh, what's being said by Moses. Oh, that all the Lord's people are prophets, uh, were prophets, and that the Lord would put uh, his spirit upon them. He's just saying, because there's a question like, are are they ministering? Should they be ministering? And he's like, oh, that everybody would be ministering. I'm not the only minister, right? And what what Moses is saying here is that, oh, that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. We want to live a, a life of victory in the Lord. That comes from the Holy Spirit, right? We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit with us to live the Christian life, that's where we find power. Right, So understand the the empowerment that we want in our lives to have victory over sin is found in the Holy Spirit. As we're in the Scriptures, we're submitting ourselves to the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit gives us victory over those things. Uh, The Spirit teaches us, leads us, empowers us, seals us, fills us uh, to minister and uh, to use as He leads us. The important thing to understand about the Holy Spirit, He is with us, and he's in us, and may he work powerfully through us, right? Amen to that, right? In us, uh, that he's uh, He's with us, he's in us, and may he work through us. All right, we finished 13 verses. So, uh, nine verses, right? But that's all right, we're not in a rush. Verse 10, considering the uh, what, what's happening here, I know I... I, I Listed those seven things here. We're on to, I think, the fourth one is uh, the the forgiveness uh, that they uh, would experience here that the Lord is speaking of. Uh, So the seventh thing being uh, that they were forgiven. Verse 10, you shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached uh, to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its offal, you uh, shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Now, uh, this would be uh, conducted for seven days, uh, for every day of the seven days of the consecration process. Uh, we'll see that more when we get to verses 36 and 37. But this would, be, this would happen for seven, uh, each day for seven days. Um, And this is happening for the cleansing of the priests and for the sanctification of the altar itself, uh, where they would be ministering. So this is a sin offering. This would have to happen first uh, for the forgiveness of the ministers. So um, the innocent, what we see here is the innocent dying for the guilty, that they would place the burden of their sin on the innocent bull. And then they would uh, they would kill the bull. Uh, and uh, when we understand what really what they're doing is uh, placing the burden of their sins, and they would press it upon the innocent. So it's hard to think of, right? It really is. But when we understand the sim- uh, the symbolism of it is, is that that thing is dying because we are guilty. You know, if there's any, uh, you know, yes, we should feel bad that that thing had to lose its life because we're sinners. It's our fault, right? Uh, and and the Lord was giving them the picture of the innocent dying for the guilty. So uh, what we see here is that the best of the animal would be burnt before the Lord. The rest would be burnt outside the camp because it's a sin offering. Now, uh, consider that Christ died outside of Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 11 and 12 says, For the body of those, when it's speaking of of these, uh, these offerings, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. You see the picture that's happening here? That's all being explained about Jesus Christ. That bowl, and, and the, the, when, when those offerings would happen, the best would be offered to the Lord as an offering, right? Jesus Christ offered everything of himself to the Lord, but happened outside the gate, right? And that's it was a picture uh, of Jesus Christ. Um, so you saw uh, those, those verses up there, uh, right? Hebrews 13 was up there. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, it's important to note now as we're reading and we're understanding everything that's already up here, remember that Moses is on the mountain with God and God is talking about the setting apart of Aaron and his sons, that they're going to be given special, uh, special clothing, that they're going to be anointed, that there are offerings to, for their sins. Uh, there are all these things happening. While Moses is there, what's happening? God is doing this, saying that you are going to, in the future, do this for Aaron. God was doing, uh, saying all this, knowing how bad Aaron was just about to fail. Literally, as Moses is coming down, descending from the mountain, and coming into the chaos of leading them in idolatry, uh, God is giving him examples of, you will do this for Aaron. There's the example of God's grace. Knowing how much of a failure Aaron is and was, God is saying, you're going to do these things for Aaron. When Hey, Moses, when we get to Leviticus 8, you're actually going to be doing these things, right? He didn't actually mark Le- Leviticus 8, but you guys get it, right? He's God is giving him the instructions, you're going to do this for that dirty rotten sinner that's leading everybody into idolatry, Right? And it's going to be the high priest. God is saying, here's the process of consecration for them because they are sinners and they need to be forgiven. They need to go through this process. God's grace. Verse 15. They were completely dedicated to God. We're going to read in verses 15 through 18. You shall also take one ram... And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram. And you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs, and put uh, put them with its pieces and uh, and with its head with its head. And uh, you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. Uh, it is. Uh, a burnt offering to the Lord, it is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So after the sin offering, then comes the giving of everything to the Lord. It's a picture of Christ dying for us, uh, even being unrecognizable, right? This thing was supposed to be all cut up, washed, and then take the pieces and and put them all together, right? Consider when Jesus was, was uh, when he died, when he gave everything, he was unrecognizable. That He was marred beyond recognition. That they couldn't. That, that the scriptures say that he wouldn't even be recognized as a man. That giving of everything that that Christ gave everything, wholly dedicated to God, um, and uh, we are called to live our lives wholly dedicated to God. So these guys, as ministers, uh, were to uh, to reflect. Uh, that they had, uh, that their lives are wholly dedicated to God. We are too. also, Uh, we're told uh, that we should reflect and and that God would have all of us, right? Uh, And reflect that in our lives. Romans chapter uh, 12, verses one and two says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this applies to us, giving all to God, so much so that we'd present our bodies as living sacrifices, that we would live out our lives as as sacrifices to God. It says, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's a reasonable thing for God to ask of us is that we'd live our lives for him. First Timothy chapter four, verses 14 and 15 say, do not neglect the gift that is in you. So Paul writing to young pastor Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Those are gifts of the spirit prophecy, laying on of hands of the, um, of the eldership meditate, On these things, give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. That giving ourselves entirely to the Lord. Now, Paul was commanding Timothy to do so that his progress in the Lord uh, would be evident to those that might discourage him and say, You're not old enough. You don't know enough. You're not mature enough to be uh, in the position you are. Well if the Lord said that uh, that he was supposed to be there and and Paul was saying hey don't let anybody despise your youth then make it evident to everybody that you are completely uh, giving yourself entirely to the scriptures and what that means is is know the scriptures and submit yourself to them is what he's what he's telling Timothy and that's that's what Christians are called to do that that right so that That character that we're reflecting is another thing, uh, should reflect the fact that uh, our lives are completely dedicated to God. Verses 19 through 22 are going to tell us that the priests were to be marked by the blood. Verse 19 says, You shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons uh, shall put their hands uh, on the head of the ram. Then you shall kill the ram and take the some of its blood and put it on the tip of your of the right ear of Aaron and on the tip of the right ear of his sons on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot and sprinkle the blood all around the altar sounds Interesting, right? As we're reading, there's a a purpose for it. And you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil, and you shall sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons uh, and on the garments of his sons with him. And uh, he and his garments shall be hallowed and his sons and his garments, uh, his sons garments with them. Right. The ram of consecration. Uh, is, is, uh, is being uh, discussed here. Uh, so, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, the first uh, few verses of the uh, words of that verse say, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So, the life of the flesh is in the blood, right? So, when we're talking about this ram's blood and, and everything, uh, when we consider uh, I, uh, speaking of blood, some people it makes us a little uneasy. Right I, I remember being in health class, and uh, we were talking, and I probably shared, I have a problem with sharing things multiple times. I think most of us do, but if I haven't, this is a funny one. Uh, being in health class, and my health teacher talking about uh, somebody uh, a hockey player that got cut uh, and, um, and the jugular, right? It, uh, you can just guess, right? The guy survived recently, somebody actually just died from that professional hockey player uh, overseas. Um, but as they're talking about this. This kid behind me passed out in health class. Just the mention of blood, okay? Blood is a messy thing, right? And, and it, it is. It's it's something that makes uh, many uneasy. But when we understand the reasoning for it, when God says that that blood uh, is uh, that the the life of the flesh is in the blood, that there's there's a powerful uh, thing that's being displayed there. Now this is this seems weird, right? That somebody would dip. Uh, dip their uh, finger in and get some blood and put it on the ear the right thumb the right ear the right thumb and uh, the right big toe right so uh, probably something that might you know get our uh, spark some attention if we're you know uh, just uh, somebody says so tell me a little bit about the Bible okay let's talk about blood on the ear the big toe uh, and and on the thumb right but what do those things symbolize right there's there's great symbolism here you know the ear listening to God's word, the thumb doing God's work, the toe walking in God's way, right? The, the symbolism that comes from uh, with these things. It says that their garments uh, would be consecrated, uh, would be hallowed, uh, so they would be made clean to serve, uh, marked by the blood, you know, the priests, uh, so that the priests could serve uh, themselves, that they would actually have blood on them, that would be uh, represent living sacrifices, right? Like it says in uh, Romans chapter twelve, verse one, present ourselves living sacrifices, literally bearing the blood on them. Lastly, uh, we see that they were fed. Um, now, when I say lastly, we still have many verses to read, but as far as diving into things, this is the last one that we're going to dive into very uh, in uh, into more depth. Verse twenty-two says, "Also, you shall take." the fat of the ram the fat of the tail and uh, the fat that covers the entrails the fatty lobe attached to the liver the two kidneys and the fat on them the uh, the right thigh for it is the ram of consecration and uh, of the loaf of uh, of one sorry one loaf of bread one cake uh, made of oil and one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord and you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord you shall receive them back from their hands and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering as a sweet aroma before the Lord it is an offering made by fire to the Lord then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration, and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And from the ram of the consecration, you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering, which was waved, and the thigh of the heave offering, uh, which is raised, of that which is for Aaron, and that which is uh, for his sons. It shall be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a statute forever. For it is a heave offering. It shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings. That is their heave offering to the Lord. A lot of offerings, right? Essentially what we're seeing, we're going to go highlight this. The fat, the fat tail, the fat of the entrails, the fatty lobe, the kidneys, the right thigh, uh, uh, and bread from Moses uh, to Aaron and his sons to take them, wave them as a wave offering. Okay, Moses would them receive them them back, um, uh, and uh, they would be burned on the altar, right? So uh, they would get all these things and they would be uh, all the the meats and they would be ready to be burned. And then he would take the bread uh, and uh, give them to Moses and Aaron and they would wave them as a wave offering Then he'd receive them back, put those on uh, the altar and offer them to the Lord, a sweet aroma. uh, If you're with me on that. And then uh, the breast of the ram uh, for Aaron's consecration that would be waved as a wave offering. And that would be for Moses. So then the breast of the wave offering and thigh of the heave offering will be for Aaron and his sons. So now they get to actually, where I said they would be fed, they're sharing in the fellowship of a meal, and they would eat med, uh, meat and bread. So that's the summary of everything we just read, right? That the, now these guys get to eat, right? It all sounds good. I didn't have dinner tonight, so I, that all sounds really good, right? And uh, I, who was it? I was, I was uh, talking was Josh. Before the service, he was talking about some place in uh, uh, one of the harbors, Bass Harbor, that uh, has good food. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Josh. (laughs) Now I'm hungry, right? I was fine before that. I was giving him a hard time, right? But when I read this and they're eating meat, um, for Thanksgiving, we had brisket. you know. And and, uh, when uh, my brother-in-law had had, uh, texted me, he reached out, and he's like, do you guys want turkey or brisket? That's an absolute, every time, 100% of the time, a no-brainer for me. I don't really like turkey. I'll eat it because it's there. But if I eat turkey like twice a year, that's probably like once too many. You know, I don't mind it, and I'll I'll eat it. But if there's a question of you know, a hundred percent of the time it's brisket, right? So these guys now are are it's talking about them getting fed, and then they 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 got this wonderful meal that that uh, you know all these things. So this is uh, when when the consecration actually took place in Leviticus eight we see what's going to happen. They're going to be fed, and they're going to enjoy the meal. They're not going to be like, oh, I only got this. This is going to be a good meal. This is going to be good. And they're going to have the fellowship uh, and the the meal at the same time, the fellowship and feasting, right? We do that a lot here. We've made, that's the joke, is that every different Bible study we have here eats. It's biblical, right? So, so we're good. Notice it ends there saying it's from the children of Israel. So this is an offering from them to provide for Aaron and his sons uh, to serve God. It's a statute forever. What a wonderful way for everybody to be involved in this, In this, what's taking place here, right? That God is including everybody. Uh, it's a, it's a, a great thing to see, you know, God calling everybody to give and worship, uh, to be a part of worship and all of those things, that they could be a part of this. That's a, that's a wonderful inclusion of the Lord. To take sinners and say, hey, you can be a part of worship. You know, if you're following the Lord, you're walking with the Lord, look what you can be used for. These powerful things to worship God. Unfortunately, there were times where uh, the giving has been abused. We've seen that, right? That's why a lot of pastors hate talking about giving, right? Because you've had the ones that have abused it so much. Right. And unfortunately, there's so much of it being used now that people, when they realize, oh, we need this budget, we've got it because of the works of, of man that we've got to do this budget and this budget. And We've got to, you know, we have an advertising budget. We have this, this this, and they're pushing up. Let God do the leading where God guides. God provides. Right. We're not going to do fundraisers. Right. We might do. you know, if, if somebody's, you know, faced big uh, catastrophic things, we might do something like bake sales and spaghetti dinners and stuff. But if God wants to do a work here, He's going to do. He's going to provide for us. We don't have to worry about any of that. We can just trust Him to provide for us. But when it comes down to uh, to people exploiting, we saw. Uh, if you'll you'll find in 1 Samuel chapter two, uh, Eli's sons taking advantage of people. Right. And uh, uh, there's uh, Malachi one um, where God is addressing polluted things being offered to him. God's getting the second, third, fourth. Oh, hey, yeah. You know, I've got this. Uh, I'm not really using it. Here's here's a broken lawnmower for the church. You know, back back then it, uh, in equivalent. Right. It's like, yeah, this thing's got two wheels uh, oil shooting all out of it might start. You know what I mean? OK, who's going to be blessed? Be like we needed a working lawnmower. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things, you know, that if we're offering Uh, To the Lord, the offerings aren't to be abused and it's not supposed to be, hey, God, I'm going to give you what just doesn't work anymore because it's no longer useful. That type of thing. Um, I'm going to try. I think I'll uh, um, I'll get to a certain point here um, and then we'll just probably stop because. Well, you know what? It's my last page. We're just going to read through it. So uh, verse twenty nine says and the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed in them. Uh, in them and to be consecrated in them. So that's going to be a perpetual thing that would keep uh, coming down. Verse 30 says, That son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days when he enters the tabernacle of meeting uh, to minister to the holy place. So uh, in the holy place. So the same seven day uh, process for Aaron's successors also is what's being described there. All right, so uh, verse 31, more food uh, for them. Uh, Verse 31 says, And you shall take the ram of the consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. Then Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket uh, by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat those things with which the atonement was made to uh, consecrate and sanctify them. But an outsider shall not eat them. Because they are holy. And if any uh, of the flesh of the consecration offerings or the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn the remainder uh, with fire. It shall not be eaten because uh, eaten because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them, and you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering uh, for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint uh, to uh, anoint it to sanctify it, right? So the seven days, uh, to the, the blood of the bull uh, with them and uh, on the altar. We already uh, discussed those things. Verse 37 says, seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. Um, you know, worship to the Lord must be kept holy. It shouldn't be um i uh, shouldn't be touched by sinful man it shouldn't be something we even the offerings of worship and praise we shouldn't be up here when we're up here leading we shouldn't be making it about us that would pollute that offering right uh there the, the worship is is to the lord so it had to remain um uh they had to remain in the tabernacle during the week of the ordinance uh, ordination ceremonies uh so uh, they were fed so lastly we'll finish uh, these last few verses the priests were to minister daily here um verse 38 says now Now this is what you shall offer on the altar: two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. So these were uh, God is giving the instruction that this is what the priests were supposed to be doing uh, each day. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb shall be uh, one tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one tenth of a hin uh, uh, with of, of pressed oil and one Forth of a hin of wine as a drink offering, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and you shall offer it with the grain, uh, uh, sorry, with the grain and the lamb, which uh, sorry, with the grain offering and the drink offering uh, as in the morning for a sweet aroma, uh, an offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. When I will meet you, or where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So what a wonderful thing to read. Uh, God is, is telling them that they'll start and end the day and, sur- and surrender uh, to the Lord and to his will and to his word. Uh, wonder And that's fulfillment, right? There's a fulfillment that comes from that. And what the Lord says is, I'm going to be their God. I'm going to be that reward, right? When God said in Genesis 15 that, that God himself would be Abram's ward, uh, reward, God is saying that as all this is happening, it's all going to be something that you are going to experience God's presence. And what a, what a wonderful thing for us. Start and end our day worshiping him and asking his presence to be with us. Lastly, I'm just going to share this with you. First Peter 2.5 says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter sharing that Christians, this is how we're to to conduct our lives. Understanding we've been washed. We've been just like they were, right? I read you this list. We've been washed, clothed, anointed, forgiven, completely dedicated to God, marked by the blood, and we've been fed, right? (laughs) So the Lord uh, ministering to us feeds us the word of God, right? So there's so much in this, right, That, that if we're just trying to read through it, we don't slow down and study it. We might miss all that uh, the Lord had for us there. Let's pray, God. We are so grateful for how powerful Your Word is. Lord, help us worship You in sincerity and in truth. Lord, that our outward appearance and uh, the, the character of our lives would reflect newness of life in You. That we would be mature in our faith, uh, in our walk with You, and that we would that would be reflected in our character outwardly. To our families, in our homes, at church, at work, school, wherever we are, in our neighborhoods, whatever it is, that you would be evident and that you would have all of us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for washing us and clothing us. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful for all these things. Anointing, being filled with your Holy Spirit. We pray to overflowing and used by you to do amazing things. Lead, guide, guide. And protect us, send us out to accomplish your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace.